0: This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent his own son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you.
1: The first reading is from the Old Testament book of First Chronicles, chapter 29, These words of the Lord will serve as a basis for today's sermon. Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure, the temple, is not for man but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God gold for the gold work, silver for the silver. Bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. "'Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power "'and the glory and the majesty and the splendor "'for everything in heaven and earth is yours. "'Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. "'You are exalted as head over all. "'Wealth and honor come from you. "'You are the ruler of all things. "'In your hands are strength and power to exalt "'and give strength to all. "'Now, our God, we give you thanks.'" And praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people? That we should be able to give as generously as this. Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight. As were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow. Without hope. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever. Keep their hearts loyal to you.
0: From Disney World to covers, managers and leaders instruct their employees that service, with a smile, is essential. Even if the six-year-old throws up his hot dog on Mickey's shoe, or if the order is returned because the seven-year-old didn't want onions on her butter burger, Happy ratings on Yelp is what they're looking for, because that affects the bottom line. But service with a smile isn't always easy, especially when things get messed up in our life and relationships, which is what the Lord Jesus talked about with his disciples in today's Gospel account, or when you're getting picked on, which is what the Apostle wrote to the Thessalonian Christians in today's second reading. King David understood that life is hard, and as he speaks in today's first reading from First Chronicles 29, it's clear that he lived and learned the big picture that the bottom line in life really isn't big bucks for here and now, but whether you are connected to God for here and hereafter, which radically changes and produces. Uh, different from money, why and how, of service with a smile. The sun streaked through the clouds that stretched in patches like a fine linen tablecloth from the horizon, sparkled off the shields of the bodyguards, and twinkled from the gems on King David's golden crown. King David was no longer wet behind the ears. The crinkles around his eyes, the furrow on his brow, the graying hair, all were reminders along with the sore shoulder years after he had used it to sling a stone into Goliath's Forehead. All were reminders to David and to all the Israelites that David's reign was drawing to a close. But he had one more thing on his bucket list that he wanted to accomplish. He wanted to replace the portable worship facility with a permanent temple for the Lord. But God had told David, "You, You are not to build a house for my name because you are a warrior. And have shed blood. So David amassed the materials, the workers, and the plans. And he said, with all my resources, I have provided for the temple of the Lord. Why? Why not be satisfied with the portable worship facility that had been used for 470 years, and it was plenty beautiful in its own right? The answer to that, we find near the end of this prayer of David, when he addresses the Lord as God the Lord of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Service to the Lord had been ingrained in David from childhood, not just from his dad, Jesse, or his great-grandma, Ruth. But his family's connections to the Lord stretched back a thousand years! The remarkable thing about the Bible accounts related to David's ancestors is that they too often were downright dirty. Abraham did not trust that God would protect him when he traveled all of the borders of the Promised Land. Not just once, but twice. And you'd think that his son Isaac would have learned from that, but no, he did the same thing. His grandson Jacob, also called Israel, was so self-reliant and so into himself that It took God 20 years to teach Jacob humility. Those accounts about David's ancestors demonstrate not their greatness, but the greatness of God in still loving and forgiving them in spite of their bad behavior. So here's David now, a thousand years after his ancestors, standing in front of this crowd of Israelites, with his jaw dropping in awe of that undeserved love and mercy from God. If someone would ask, David, how are you able to serve the Lord? With a smile. He would say, because God has put me into his spiritual family. I am joined by faith to all my fellow Israelites, and especially I am joined to God. There are church folks who believe that one of the top things a church can do for its future is to provide programs for teens but the reality is that in many cases maybe not for a metro church like ours but in many churches around the nation teens move away and they go off to school or college and end up somewhere else don't get me wrong Teens are absolutely special in the eyes of God. And it is important for churches to develop programs that assist parents in guiding their teens through the turbulent waters of those years. But if you want to know the number one thing that will join teens to the Lord later on, even when they go off to college or the military or enter their career, the number one thing that keeps them joined to the Lord is the pattern of Christian life and worship they experienced with their parents. And I mean with their parents. The parents didn't pop in with their children for worship once a month or once every other month and then wonder why they were fussy in the back pew. Parents didn't drop their kids off at Sunday school and then attend worship. And when done, then everybody goes home and the kids are not in worship. No. They sat together as a family in the pew every week. Sure, the little ones were a little finicky and fussy at first and flicking Cheerios here and there. But eventually, they were able to hear the stories and see the colors, and feel the carved wood, and smell the wine and the flowers, all of which were weaving into their senses. This is the grace and goodness of God. And as every week they were in worship, they were then able to, these kids were able to start singing from memory, glory to God in the highest, and recite the creed and the Lord's Prayer. And on the way home, what did they hear from their parents? Oh, the organist played the second hymn too loudly. Or, I wonder what's for brunch. No, what they heard from their parents was them humming the tune of the psalm or the gospel acclamation or the final hymn. They heard from their parents what touched them in Bible class and in the sermon that they were dealing with that week. What they heard from their parents was, "Was wasn't worship a boost for us this week? Let's talk about how it relates to what you're learning in school. And those are the teens who remain joined to the Lord even when they go off to college or enter a career or move away. I get it. There are exceptions. We do not live in a perfect world. But generally speaking, that's the best chance for teens then to be remaining, joining to the Lord. And later on, even if they're not right in their home church later on, they will make Christian relationships and friendships with others who reinforce what they grew up with. And they'll be able to testify to it with their life and lip. Even if you are new to the Lutheran Church, it is this business of being joined to fellow Christians in faith and especially joined to God. That is one of the answers to the question, how is it possible that I can offer a life of service with a smile to God and others? King David was known as the sweet singer of Israel. Of the 150 Psalms in the Bible, he wrote 73 of them. And there were more, like a portion of this first Bible account today, the poem. And I'm sure it was sung. What was the melody? I don't know. But I'm pretty sure it was not in a minor key or did not sound like a funeral song. Why? Because of its content. When David stood before this crowd of Israelites and sang and prayed out his prayer and song, he did not say, Oh, it's really hot out here. I can't stand it. He didn't say, I'm really getting old or my voice is getting too bitter and brittle at my age. He didn't say, Ah, the choir started off on the wrong key. No! Here's what he's saying. Praise be to you, Lord. Yours is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. The word's just pop off the page like the Hallelujah Chorus. Why is that? Because he's singing about who God is and what God does. What can an idol do when the Israelites danced around the golden calf? That idol could not make the sunshine, did not bring the gentle spring rains, did not part the Red Sea, did not stop the waters of the Jordan River so they could cut across on dry ground, did not knock down the walls of Jericho. All of David's victories over Goliath and all his other enemies came from the hand of his gracious God. All that he had and owned came from the hand of God. How could David serve the Lord? when he had such challenges and difficulties in his life, how could he serve the Lord with a smile in his heart and on his face? He would say, because all joy, even during difficult days and hardship and discipline, which he experienced, all joy comes from the hand of God, who always has my best interests in mind, even though I don't deserve it. There are people who are opera fans, or music fans, or sports fans. I don't know about you, but I'm awfully glad that our eternal salvation does not depend on the voice of Taylor Swift or the arm of Corbin Burns. Because when you're kneeling and praying at the bedside of a sick child, and when healthcare costs rise, and you wonder whether. You're you'll be able to afford a needed medication, when the repair bills bite into the checkbook and you don't know if you'll be able to come out the other side, when your marriage relationship takes more effort than you thought when you're trying to be the best student and involved in extracurricular activities to please everyone, and you still end up feeling empty, how will you be able to serve the Lord and others with a smile in your heart and on your face? You can, because you know who God is and what God does, because God makes it clear, and you are convinced that He always has our best interests in mind, Joy from our Savior God deep in our hearts is another answer to the question how can I possibly serve God and others with a smile do you see what he's doing he's hitching up his robes and he's climbing that big hill on the north end of town I'm even pointing the right direction do you see him He's moving at his age at a pace we can hardly keep up. This is what was flitting in the whispers like butterflies among the Israelite crowd as they watched King David climb that hill on the north end of Jerusalem. And this Bible account that we're looking at starts off, Then King David said to the whole assembly, I don't think we should pass over those opening words too quickly. Then David said to the whole assembly, what do you think was going through David's mind when he stood in front of that crowd of thousands and thousands of Israelites? They better listen, I'm the king. Or do you think he faltered a bit? All these people, including the soldiers, leaders, and citizens who are a generation or two younger than I, have heard of what I have done and know what I'm like. Yes. God is too kind. He's called me a warrior. But I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And there are nights when I'm still haunted by what I have done in the past. I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned, Lord, and done what is evil in your sight. And he goes on right here in this account, Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? We are are foreigners and strangers in your sight as were all of our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. How can I stand and speak before all of these Israelites? When they know and I know that God should sweep his mighty hand out of the heavens and swat me into the hole of hell. But wait. But wait. I also know blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. Whose sins are covered. Blessed are those whose sin the Lord does not count against them. I will stand here as king and speak to these people. Not because I'm king. But because my God directed his anger away from me to the promised Savior. And so he's not going to bring against me all the consequences, the charges that are rightly aimed at me. But his anger was aimed at the Savior, not me. And so, Lord, I will serve you with a smile all these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy, with joy, how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Because, Lord, you have justified us. You have declared us to be right with you, even though we're not. How would you fare standing under the blazing sun in front of thousands of people like that? How? How would you fare under the blazing eyes of God with every thought and word that passed through your mind and out your lips this past week on display before the Holy God? How would you fare? Run with me. Run with me to the song of David. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed are those whose sin the Lord does not count against them. Justified by Jesus. Declared right because of what he did, even though we're not, is another answer to the question, how could I possibly serve with a smile God and others? It happened again last weekend at Doors Open Milwaukee. One of the visitors who came asked me, So what's the difference between Lutherans and other Christians? I said, well, the difference is between living a life of have to or want to. We don't have to worship and pray and give and love and serve. But we want to. And your response to a question like that will be, I'm sure, the same. Maybe different wording like... This, even when the homework piles up, even when the diapers are messy, even when I have to work overtime with almost no extra compensation, even when my feelings are hurt, even when my joints ache, I serve my God with a smile because the bottom line in life is not money, but the mercy of my Maker. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you.
1: The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.